Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Ostertagia, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, and here with another edition of Trickeration with Mr. Magic. Of course, I'm talking about CU legend Darian Hagen. Coach Hagen, uh, how is everything going for you? I, I see the flat irons back there. Wind, winter is starting to, to set over in town, isn't it? It is. I tell you, man, ever since uh, the day before Thanksgiving, man, when that snow came down, it's been freezing. And then this, uh, the sun has tried to break through the last couple of days. So the snow is melting a little bit. So I was able to go out and run yesterday. I'm trying to get out and run again today. So as long as the weather cooperates, I got to get moving, to stay moving. It's tough. I always credit those people when I'm driving through a snowstorm and I see people in Boulder are crazy. You see people running in the middle of a blizzard sometimes. And uh, right. it always makes me feel that, that I need to persevere a little bit more than I am in my life. Right. Absolutely. I'm telling you, yesterday when I was out running, I seen guys where, you know, snow was still on the ground, obviously. But I seen guys on those little uh, electric scooters. And they're right, they're just flying through snow like it ain't no thing. I'm like, man, I was I was literally scared. I was gonna slide on some ice that I couldn't see, and these guys just rolling like they had no care in the world. Some you can you can take Darian Hagen out of L.A., but you can't take L.A. out of Darian Hagen, right? No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's in me forever. That's embedded. <laughs> So obviously not the finish that the Colorado Buffaloes were hoping for on the football field. And now they begin a very critical offseason for them. They've got to put together the pieces to maximize Shador Sanders' final year of eligibility and, and try to win in 2024. I'm curious from your experience, Darian, what does the beginning of the offseason look like for a coaching staff once that final game ends? Well, once that final game ends, you know, you, you try to flush the season. You know, good, bad, good, bad, or indifferent, no matter how the season went, you try to flush it because now it's on to the next. So now we have to go out and, you know, get our calendars right so we can go out and, and recruit kids, you know, i.e., be it the portal, i.e., be it the high school, junior college, whatever, how they're going to do it. They, they have to get organized to do those things. And, you know, you're going to be away from your family every week. You got to get back in town by Friday uh, morning because a lot of the kids that you are going to see earlier in the week are coming for official visits and you got to be here for that. And then you got, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Most of the guys are going home on Sunday and then you're back at it again on the road on, on Monday. So work never stops. But at the same time, you know, it's a it's a process that, you know, that you have to be on your A game. Because you got guys that's, that's going to depend on you to, you know, make a difference in their world, and make a difference in their world and their in their life. You got to be ready. You got to be able to to be able to focus, and you can't be you can't be drained and things like that. You got to be you got to be all in, man. You know, and it, it, it starts it starts from with, with Coach Prime, and you know, I know he's a he's a good leader and, and things like that, and you know, he'll set the tone, and guys will guys will uh, they'll react to it. In your position group, do you have a pretty good feeling for where everybody's heads are at at a given time? And the reason I ask that is because the transfer portal has become so big. When when does that process of kind of knowing where where guys are start? Is that after the season, or do you always kind of have a feeling for it? You know, you you should always have have a feeling for it, you know. But my thing was, you know, when they came with the NIL and the transfer portal. My thing was any given day, you got to make sure 
that you're talking to your players, interacting with them, and seeing where their head is at. Because at any given moment, you can get shocked. And when you get shocked, now all eyes are on you like you're a bad person. You know, so you got to stay on top of those guys. You know, I got shocked one time, but I'm not, I wasn't a bad person. I got shocked with Jared Mangum. But at the same time, when, when he was, when he was, uh, you know, going in the portal, you know, the last couple of weeks, you knew, you knew he was going to, he was going to do that because his body language changed. You know, his, 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 uh, his connectability with the players in the meeting room changed. So I knew something was up, you know, so. I knew we had some other guys coming in as well. So I didn't really, you know, try to fight that that narrative. I just, you know, let let it play out and it played out for the best. Even during the season, during the bye week, Colorado's coaches were out on the road recruiting. It really doesn't seem to ever stop. And maybe coaches get a brief break in July. But I'm kind of curious, how do you maintain sanity as a college coach dealing with the time demands of the profession? Well, going into it, you, you got to know that's what it's, that's what it's about. You know, you you want, you're not going to have a lot of time with your family. You're not going to have t- a lot of time with your friends. You know, you're going to be dealing with 18 and 21 year old kids to men um, through you know through their entire time they're going to be at college and you know and when you go out and recruiting a new a new uh, you know a new entourage as I call it new entourage of kids new players. You got to go and you got to do the same thing over and over and over and over. And that was a challenge for me. I loved it because I I love being around people that I don't know and make a connection with people I don't know. Because that it, if you can make a connection with someone you met just for 10 minutes and then you can get those guys to believe in you, getting those guys that want to come to University of Colorado, get their parents to believe in you, then you 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 done, you've done your job. And. That was the that was the best thing for me. I I loved to get in the living rooms and 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 talk to parents. And every time I would get into the living room, I always thought what Coach McCarty was said had said in my living room. Uh, he would make sure I'd be the first one of my family to get a degree. I'd be the first one of my family, you know, to have a chance to go to the NFL or you know play at a higher level after college. You know, so I try to incorporate those things. But at the end of the day, I always make sure that I always say. You know, once you leave the University of Colorado, you're going to be a better person you be, and you're going to be a better father and better man for it. Where are your favorite spots to go out and recruit? Uh, obviously, my favorite my favorite spot is Los Angeles. Um, just so, you know, because I I come from there and I have a lot of connections, a lot of friends that are, that are coaching there. And I want to be able to help kids from Los Angeles leave the area. You know, so that was number one was uh, L.A. And then number two was uh, was Houston, Texas. Houston, you know, I, I love going out to the, to the countryside of Houston and, and talking to kids, man. And uh, and then after I'm done with my recruiting for the day, I would always go to this place called Just Oxtails. It's a soul food place uh, not too far from Houston Hobby. Man, I'm talking about – you talking about good food? I, I, I Every time I had an opportunity to go to Houston, that's the first, that was my first stop once I was done with recruiting. I was going to ask you about that. Your your favorite stops to eat on the road. Obviously, uh, you're spending a lot of time evaluating prospects, but but you got to eat as well. Right. Uh, any other spots that come to mind that if you're in this city, you're definitely hitting that spot. Um, let's see. In Los Angeles, I, he always went to uh, Harold and Bell's. 
That's a soul food restaurant. Um, in Dallas, I would always, you know, it's not a soul food restaurant, but it was always really good for me was uh, Whataburger. You know, I, I love that place. Um, and it's pretty controversial for a California guy to say. Is is it, is Whataburger better than In and Out? Absolutely, absolutely better better In and Out. I don't know what's the hype about In and Out Burger. I've never liked them. You know, now they got them here, one right down the street from my house, and I drive by it all the time. I have never stopped. Okay. <laughs> what's your order when you pull up to Whataburger? I get the triple with the onion rings and a uh, frozen lemonade. When you're doing those in-home visits and you referenced the message that coach Bill McCartney had for you when he was recruiting you, uh, I would imagine it's pretty unique going into each home and you're getting different meals fed to you. Do you have any interesting or kind of funny stories that you remember from your time doing in-home visits with recruits? Yeah, I remember uh, going to Anthony. Uh, remember, uh, Anthony was Anthony's last name. I can't remember his last name now. I was just with him in California, too. He was his DB. Anthony from, Perkins? Yeah, no, he, he's from Compton. Uh, Anthony Jesus. I can't remember his dang name. Anyway, I was at his house, and, you know, we had just finished eating, and Mom was like, Coach, you want some more food? Because you, you've eaten plenty. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm fine. And then we got, so I get into my spiel and I'm talking to them about, you know, the life and the, the life and the day of a, of a college student. So I told him that, you know, he, Anthony would be coming to, you know, practice or meetings at starting at seven o'clock in the morning. And then we go to practice field by nine and then we'll get, you know, he'll, he'll go eat lunch and he'll be in classes and then we'll bring him back, you know, for, for meetings after his classes and things like that. And, I told her, I said, here's his schedule. I gave him a mock schedule. I said, here's his schedule for, you know, the uh, first six months while he's in college. And it was all all the classes he would do to take for his uh, his major. He wanted to be real estate and business. So I gave him all those classes on that schedule. And dad never really said a word. And mom, I, so I got mom's attention. And then dad goes, he taps me on the leg and he goes, like he it gives me a wink, like he was gonna give me something special. And he was like, So, uh, so when can he get his books? <laughs> and the mom said, Shut up, you dummy. <laughs> this is a mock schedule. <laughs> I'll never forget that. That was one of the funniest things ever. That's awesome. Was it Anthony Wright? Yes. From Compton. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's who it was. And then he yeah, I, I talked to him when at the UCLA game. He's doing really, really well. He, Good. Uh, he told me he has uh, 20 different properties that he's in the middle of uh, transitioning. Um, he took over his dad's company, uh, and his dad now just oversees everything, but Anthony runs it on a daily, daily basis, and he said that they, uh, they're doing well. He looked good, and, you know, the first thing he came up to me, he was like, Coach Hagen, man, I just want to let you know that everything you told me was true, and I appreciate you, and I love you. So, you know, when you get things like that from guys you recruited and it's a success story, plus, you know, you the things you told them they remember, that's awesome. You got to have that, right? To, to And that's maybe another part of going back to the sanity of dealing with the time demands is uh, kind of those residual, you know, rewards that you get down the road after, you know, touching these young men. Uh, 
Right. How often does that that does that happen where you get a phone call or a text from someone and it kind of gives you that 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 piece that you did the right thing by by that young man? Every time, um, you know, it's around a holiday or it's, uh, you know, summer or it's a spring break. I always get a text message or a call from Hugh Charles. I also get the same thing from Philip Lindsay, you know, and uh, they always say, hey, I love you. And just just thinking about you. And they always end it. And when they say they always say, love you, pops. And that's that's just that's a special feeling to me. I'm like, wow, because both of them, both they both have their parents, both parents in their life. And for me to be considered, you know, an upper echelon parent for one of those for both of those guys is awesome. That's awesome. Obviously, the process of evaluating prospects is an inexact science. It comes down to uh, projecting what these 18-year-olds are going to look like in a couple of years, and and that's not an easy process to do. And the example I want to throw out there is 2008. You signed five-star Daryl Scott, get all the the pats on the back over that signing. You were the lead recruiter there, but you also signed two-star Rodney Stewart, and he was the one that that comes to Boulder and has the great career. Uh, How do you view the process of evaluating prospects, both from what we do at 24 seven sports and on three and rivals and kind of that process, that side of things versus how coaching staffs evaluate process uh, prospects and how difficult that is to really know what these guys are going to look like in a couple of years. Well, I can tell you this, you know, you guys, you guys recruit them and you, you rank them, you give them two stars, you give them five stars. Um, I think the two star and the five star is really, based upon competition for a coach. I look at competition. I look at um, family makeup. I look at film and see how, you know, they protect the football, how how uh, aggressive they are with running the football, um, how durable they are at running the football and catching the football. Um, and then, you know, what you, you, you also collaborate with the things that, you know, rivals and things like that 24-7. You guys have, uh, you know, your statements about them, and you put the two together, and then you come up with a collective, a collective idea of how to recruit these kids. And my thing with Daryl Scott was he had everything you wanted: the size, the speed, the demeanor, um, everything. And and uh, on film, and then I, when I, when Rodney Stewart, you know, had the same thing. He just was tiny. You know, but he was big, yoked up guy, and he reminded me of Darren Sproles, and um, and D- Daryl reminded me of a younger Ricky Williams, but and we wanted we wanted a one two punch like that, and I should have known because I I got prior notice when I was in his house, and Daryl and his mom goes it was like eleven o'clock at night I was doing a home visit and his mom goes Daryl I'm going to sleep I'm tired. And he goes, all right, mom. And she goes, in the other room, I've ironed your your clothes, and they're they're on the bed, you know, some jeans and and a shirt. I ironed them and I put them on the bed for you. And that right there should have told me he was a mama's boy, and I should be a, on the on the lookout because I don't. He may be one of the ones that you know get nag, you know, a nagging injury and can't fight through those things. And then when I was with Rodney Stewart, and was talking to him and his mom about you know giving him a scholarship and him coming to Colorado and having an opportunity to compete 
And she was like, yeah, you, I want you to go to school there. You, you get a scholarship, sign up right now. And he was, he was all smiles. You know how Rodney is with that big, you know, that big smile. And so I was just like, you know, okay, what, what you going to do, Rodney? He goes, I'm coming, coach. I'm coming. So we get them both here in the, in the summertime, and you can see the difference. You can see the difference in Rodney's work ethic, his determination, Daryl's work ethic, his determination, and Rodney's just hands above. He was a he was the better player for us. And you guys signed Ray Polk in that class as well. How long did you have Ray with your running backs before he moved to safety? Do you remember? I had Ray, I think the first week and a half of uh of camp. I had him with me, you know, but he was here, he was here before that, you know, doing summer conditioning workouts and all that with the with the weight room staff. And when I, but when I got him, you know, my for a week and a half, you know, I went to, I went to coach. It was like, coach, he can't, he can't play running back. He couldn't, he couldn't stop and change direction. He was stiff, you know, um, but he was tough. And he, he was, he was, you know, a guy that he could have been durable if we were running, you know, ISO plays right down the middle of a defense. But I thought that what we wanted to do on offense, you know, run inside zone, run outside zone, things of that nature, gap schemes. I thought that we needed to go with Daryl and Speedy. And Daryl and Speedy gave us the best chances. And that's why we moved uh, um, Ray. But it turns out he had a great career. He did. And uh, Doug Rippey, who is one of my favorite forever buffs, likes to claim that he was the one that alerted you about Rodney Stewart because he is Rodney's cousin. Uh And uh, Doug Rippey was already committed. Is there any truth to that? Did Doug, was he the one that kind of planted that in, in your ear initially? Because obviously Rodney was coming off uh, a torn ACL, so he was a little bit more under the radar. Right. Yes, I was. Uh, I was with with uh, uh, Rippy, and he told me I was. I told him that I'm looking for another running back, you know, and I needed to, you know, because we wanted to take three. And I said I needed. I needed another running back. Do you know of any? And he goes, Yeah, my cousin. My cousin one of one of the best players in Ohio. And I'm like, Where's he at? He told me he's in Westerville High School, and uh, that was like 45 minutes from him, from from uh, Columbus. And so I, I get in my car and go over there, and uh, it's, it's snowing, and I walk in the coach's office, and the coach goes, uh, I said, Coach, I'm looking for Rodney Stewart. And he goes, uh, I'm not the coach anymore. I just resigned this morning, and Rodney Stewart is not – he didn't come to school today. I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait out here for no reason. And he goes, wait, I know where he is. And he opens up the back door, and he yells across the street, Rodney! Garage door opens, and Rodney comes. He's in the, lift, in the lifting weights. And coach tells him to come over, and he comes over. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, oh, man, this dude is short. I say, I, I can't do that. They, they won't take him. He's, he's too short. And then he comes on his visit. And him and I are looking eye to eye. And I'm like, dude, what are you? You you got some some heel lifts in your shoes or what? And he has some Timberland boots on. And he just laughed. And then once he signed with me, he goes, Coach, remember your time you asked me if I had some heel lifts in my boots? I was like, Yeah, yeah. He said, I had a couple pairs of socks tucked in. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that dude was he was a tough competitor. He wasn't afraid of anybody. He, when we were in meetings, you know, he was always in tune, but you would sometimes think that, you know, it's all flying over his head. But when that whistle blew, 
He knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew how to do it. And he did it with tremendous effort. And I was happy that, that he played for me, you know, and uh, glad that Doug, you know, had the fortitude to tell me where he was and glad that the, the, the coaches was able to uh, know where he was as well. And, you know, for a guy like that, he didn't come to school, you know, but you say, okay, he, he didn't come to school, but he's across the street working out for in, in rehab and getting better. You know, so I was, that was a, that was a diamond in the rough we took a shot with and it worked out for us. Ryan Konigsberg said he was, he was a student at the time when Rodney Stewart was playing for you. And he said, uh, Ryan did that. He was in the student rec center, just working out one day. And Rodney Stewart comes in with a a mink jacket on, (laughs) he takes it off, sets it down does one set on the bench press, puts the jacket back on and walks out of the, out of the rec center. <laughs> and I was like, that, that sums up Rodney Stewart for you right there. Absolutely. That, that dude, I'm telling you, you don't know what he was up to, but he was, he was the funniest dude, but he was, he was I'm like, I got to revert back when that, when that, that, uh, that whistle blew, man, it was all no, no nonsense. It was all, all, you know, he was focused tunnel vision, you know, and that that guy, him and Philip Lindsay and Hugh Charles were three of the best that I've ever coached. And those three guys will always be near and dear to my heart. What was it like for you watching the bus from a, a different angle this fall? It was a little tough. It was a little tough, you know, uh, just because I had I've been down there been on the field for so long and uh been been a part of the 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 coaching you know family you know it was a little it was a little difficult but at the same time you know there comes time where you you have to change you have to move on and you got to do different things in life you you can't just you know stay doing the same thing all the time or at the same place you got to you know it's a competitive world and you know you if you if you get complacent you know you get passed up and that's not something I want to do I want to I want to be a guy that is is uh, staying relevant and staying fresh. You know, uh, the, the the job I'm in now is is a is a huge job because we got some we have some kids that's in the state of Colorado that don't want to stay in the state of Colorado to go to go to college. So my job is for you know outreach and engagement is to go to high schools and talk to high high school kids seniors. And get them to understand the University of Colorado is a great opportunity for them to stay here, start their legacy, and give back to their family. Let their friends and their family see how successful they could be, and how successful they are once they're done. You know, that's something that I I, I love doing. That just 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 same as you know recruiting running backs. Awesome. And lastly, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you. From your view, what do you view? And I mentioned that this is going to be such a big offseason for this program building up to 2024. What what do you view as the biggest needs for this program as it goes into its second offseason under Coach Prime? Well, I I believe the same thing as everybody else. We have to get bigger and stronger in the trenches. You know, we get bigger and stronger in the trenches. I think that, you know, the running backs with Hank and with Dylan, um, you know, with with uh, McCaskill coming back, you know, I, I think that they have some really good running backs. You know, uh, quarterbacks coming back, he's a darn good quarterback. You know, they have some good young receivers, you know, but they if they can't, you know, get seams and if they can't stand up in, in the pocket and deliver, then it's going to be 
the same thing all over again. So they will have to get stronger in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I think, uh, you know, you got to replace Bentley and you got to replace Ham now. So you, I, I think those guys are already in place, but you can get some some veterans that can come in and, and you know, help and do some things like that. And I think it'll be they'll be they'll be a great program. But I think they got to get stronger in the trenches. If they do that, sky's the limit. Darian, it's always fun catching up with you. I always enjoy doing these segments. Thanks again for taking time out of your schedule. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate you, and you're one of the best, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, and thanks, everybody out there, for tuning in. <laughs>